0: Heavenly Father, I pray that you would um, be with me this morning, help me to speak um, quickly and and, um, succinctly that I would uh, um, really um, bring forth the message which you have for us today, um, that that I would be faithful to the word of God as I do so. I see. Amen. Mm -hmm. This is the last week we're talking about men. (laughs) The last week. (laughs) Um, So next week we're going to do women. (laughs) And so, um, starting next week, Ross will be guiding me out to the car to protect me. I said I'd need it before, and actually, what? Oh, there's a side entrance. Look at that! And it's pointed right in the direction of my house, so I can get a good sprint going before I knock stuff down to get in the way of anybody chasing me. Um, I may need it this morning yet, so we're going to looking at it, first. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, uh, 2, 1 to 3, 7. It looks like a big chunk, but it's not as big as it looks. Um, the the Again, last week we were looking at men, and, and specifically where I wanted to talk about before we go into this, um, how many of y'all watch TV occasionally? Or listen to the radio? You see it, you hear it on the radio, you don't see it on the radio as often, it's kind of rare to see things on the radio at all. Um, when I, when I got my undergrad degree, I got, I got one of the two majors I had was communications. And one of the things that they do, it's a useless degree. Thank you, honey. <laughs> it is a useless degree. But one of the things that they, they teach you as a part of getting that, that communications degree is they teach you to, to pay attention to things and look at the narrative behind it. And so like, like, I had a whole class where we looked at how things are depicted in, in movies, commercials, and stuff like that. Or, or what have you. And there's this, this trend in advertising, right, and I actually see it on TV shows and, and in movies quite a bit now. But it started in the '80s, right, and and it's the smart woman, dumb man commercial. Y'all know what I'm talking about, where where you know, y- and you don't see it like you go back further, and you have like I Love Lucy, where where Lucy was kind of, you know, and and she always needed Ricky to bail her out, right. <laughs> Um, you know, and he was always the smart guy who, you know, or, or you know, Leave it to Beaver is another, that's in the 50s, right? Um, and, and, you know, Ward, Ward always sort of knew the right thing to say and do, and he was sort of the self-assured, smart, you know, always there at the right moment dad. And as you move forward, what you see is you see a shift where suddenly the man is sort of the idiot. I mean, am I missing this, right? Like, this is pretty accurate. Where the guy does silly things or he does dumb things, and, and he needs the woman to rescue him. And it's, it's kind of a cultural narrative that we, that we encounter, and it, it's created sort of this imprint of what manhood is. And it's not the way it was intended to be. I, I if, if um, some of this sermon is gonna rely on past sermons, they're all online at sermons.net. Singular sermon, sermon. Sermon.net sermon. slash patching cracks. If you want to listen to the previous ones, um, like if you have trouble sleeping or whatever, Going through a root now means something distracted from the pain. <laughs> um, but but um, we, we've talked quite a bit about the image of manhood that God intended, right? Like, how did God intend men to be? Um, and and this, this narrative has convinced, like, I mean, literally almost two generations now of young men that, that being, being the strong, independent guy, right, being the responsible guy, being the smart guy in the room is not necessarily our calling. Right? we get to be the irresponsible guy who plays video games while the smart woman saves things, you know, or we get to be um, not on the spot, or we don't have to take up responsibility the way that we used to. And and the big focus of this series has been that that men are called by God to stand in a specific place in their families, in their community, in their church, in the world. That that's one of leadership. That's one of headship, meaning like like the in charge thing, like. Like, um, not to say that women are supposed to be under our feet or anything like that, because as we've looked at in previous sermons, so before you start throwing rocks around the fruit, as we've looked at in previous sermons, women aren't supposed to be like this subjugated thing, but men are built in a way that makes us want to be take charge, makes us want to be this certain place, and, and we don't see it, you know, we just don't, um. And, and as we move into this, we're going to look at what Paul calls men to be, like the image he calls them to portray, right? Like, like what are people supposed to see? Now, mind you, did anybody live during the 80s? There, there was a car that came out in the 80s. There was a show, Magnum P.I., do you guys remember that show? Yeah. And Tom Selleck was a man's man. I look a little like him. <laughs> <laughs> if the lights are off and- <laughs> And you were seeing iDog. <laughs> I tend drive like him, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I read the paper. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but Tom Selleck, what car did he have? He had a Ferrari, right? In the 80s, when the Ferrari was, like, on TV, there were various companies that said, we need to capitalize on the Ferrari. And they came out with a car that looked a lot like the Ferrari. It was the Fiero. It even sounds like the Ferrari. Did anybody ever drive a Fiero? Was, it, was, the Ferrari, was the Fiero anything like the Ferrari? It did have a rear engine like the Ferrari, you know, in that front trunk, and that was about it. It sort of looked like it, and it was smaller, but but you could do 0 to 60 almost fast enough to pass your exhaust fumes as they went by. I mean, it, was, it, was awful. it looked one way, but it acted another, right? Paul isn't calling us to look one way and act another. Okay? Um, men are supposed to look the way they are, right? They're supposed to act the way that their heart is. And their heart needs to be in alignment with God, because all authority that man has, right, is authority given by God. Um, and it only works if they're in alignment with God's heart and God's will. That means servant, right? That means loving. That means protecting. That means these things. It doesn't mean, stop the foot down and get me a sandwich, woman, Right? It means in alignment with God's will. Um, it's like um, one day Abby will be older and I'll go off to you know on a date with my wife. I'm sure that it's a distant dream and memory right now. But one day Abby will be old enough and she'll babysit Titus. And her authority with Titus will only extend as far as mom and dad's rules, right? She can make Titus wash her feet but when I come back she's in trouble. Assuming Titus lets us know. <laughs> but see what I'm saying? So, like, this is the way men are. Men, men are, our authority comes from God, and it comes about when we're in alignment. That having been said, writing to Timothy, he starts out First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So, Paul is dealing with worship, and we'll see that a little more so in the future. And actually, he's specifically addressing men right now. And I'll explain that when we get a little further into the verse. It becomes obvious, right? He's saying, men, right? Everybody who's a man in the room. This is you. Um, Your job is to pray, right? It's to pray for folks who don't know Jesus. It's to pray for folks who are, right, so entreaties and prayers means approaching God, petitions means um, asking requests, right, Um, saying thank you for the things that we have on behalf of all men, meaning people who don't know Jesus and people who do, right, we don't just pray for our friends, we pray for our enemies, I think he mentions leadership in there, and that sometimes means enemies, right, like (laughs) one time or another, Um, friends, enemies, uh, everyone, we're supposed to be people of prayer, right, And and this is a hard one, because prayer doesn't feel action-oriented, right? You want me to to go and, like, do something awesome in a town, right? I might go and and put together an event. I might go and and go door to door. I might go and and do things, right? Ask me to sit down and pray for an hour hour a day for a town. That's not easy, because men are doers, right? Now, the trick is that we only do effectively and successfully when we are in alignment with God's will. And that begins with praying, right? It begins with reading. It begins with studying. It begins with knowing. Because if I don't know God's will, and I don't know what he wants out of me, I might be foolish enough to think that my authority means that I can tell you to go get me a sandwich, and you darn well better do it, right? But that's not how it works. And it aligning our hearts and aligning our minds the way God intended it to be Begins with prayer, right? Begins with approaching God. Now this is hard, right? In a little bit, we're going to talk about what people see. Um, In our culture, it's not very usual to see men praying. Isn't it true? I mean, it's not often that we sit down and we see Dad praying with the family or praying with the kids at night. It's not something that happens as often. Men have increasingly fallen away from this role, and it's been delegated to mom, or no one, or me, specifically, and, and that's no good. Um, but this is the calling that God puts on the lives of men, and it does so like, because we're, we're aiming to live a life of tranquil and quiet, right, like tranquility and quiet, meaning that we're not in conflict with folks, right? How many of you guys sometimes fight with your wives, or your neighbors, Or the people you work with? Really? Never, Terry? How many of you think Terry's wrong? (laughs) Um, Fact of the matter is that oftentimes arguments, fights, dissensions, they rise out of our selfish interests, right? Sometimes they're legitimate, but sometimes it's because other people are not doing things our way, and our way isn't always God's way. Um, When we line up our hearts and minds with God's will, Tranquility and quiet tend to come along with it Because we tend to get along with folks better Because we tend to live in a different place Not physically in a different place in A different place spiritually Um, Godliness and dignity Meaning, like, we're not all over the place Making fools of ourselves Right? I mean, and there are folks that do this It does happen, but this isn't what we're called to do as men We move on this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator, also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at its proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, and I am telling you the truth. I am not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Pause. He says, listen, here's what we're supposed to be doing. He restates it. These guys know it, but he's saying it again. God wants us to save people, right? God wants us to keep people from going to hell. It's a real place. It's going to happen one day. Part of what we're called to do is save people. And part of how we do that is we pray, right? Right? Um, there are other things we're called to. We're called to be leaders in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our church, in our community, in our, our jobs. We're called to these things, but it begins with knowing our objective and staying in harmony with that. We stay in harmony with that by studying, praying, and talking to God, right? Um, I had a job where every every week on Monday morning, everybody sat down in an office. It was in an office. It was a conference room. There was like 40 of us. And the CEO would start the morning by looking at this is what we're supposed to be doing, folks. Are we doing it? Why? Because if we fell out of alignment, we started doing things wrong. You know, when we would discuss decisions, and one of the first questions about decisions was how does this fit with our mission? Right? Paul restates the mission statement, and he says, "Line up with this." He finishes it with, "Therefore, I want the men." This is in Greek. This is men. Right? Like sometimes we say men and it means everyone. This is not that form of the word men. Because there's a Greek form that means mankind. It's a very general term. He's not talking to mankind. He's talking to men. Which means men pray. Got it? Pray first. It puts your heart and your mind in alignment. You've got to do it all the time. Um, lifting up holy hands. Which doesn't necessarily mean we have to pray with our hands in the air. You can if you go for that sort of thing. I'm cool with it. Um, but specifically, it means entreating to God, approaching God and asking for stuff, right? Or approaching God and like being in communication with Him. Um, and without wrath and dissension, the more we come into alignment with God's heart, the less we carry out wrath and dissension. Right? The less we fight with each other and the less we're angry with other <laughs> folks. Um, it, it changes us. I know it was a little repetitive. I want to make sure this is clear. We move on. Now, this is the woman part. We're going to come back to this in a future week. I'm just going to let you know I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Um, but I'm going to explain it just enough so I can get to the car without getting killed. Um, <laughs> but Paul wrote, it. Uh, Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making claims of godliness. Pause. Is he saying women aren't supposed to dress up? Not really. Culturally, what's going on at this point? We talked about this when we looked at Corinthians, okay? And this Corinthians thing gives us a lot of picture of what's really going on here. In Corinth they had um, a real problem in the church because there was kind of a a sexual revolution going on. um, Where women, one of the things that they were doing, they were expressing new freedom, and Paul was cool with that, but he said, listen, when you express freedom in a way that offends your husband or makes him humiliated, not okay. Okay? That was going on in Corinth. At the same time in Ephesus, where Timothy is pastoring, this sexual revolution is going on, and women are expressing their freedom. And they're doing so by dressing a little more um, audaciously or ostentatiously. Is that that's the right Yeah. They're, they're a little more flashy and all that. That's not wrong, right? It's not wrong. But if your appearance is who you are, if your appearance tells the whole story, you've got a problem. Because what Paul says is, look, the stuff that really matters, the stuff that deep down is important, isn't that appearance stuff? It's dressing yourself up in godliness, in in modesty, in good works. It's taking care of the folks around you. Um, it's being like, like right toward people. If you're gonna wear any clothing at all, the clothing to wear is a right life, right? Now, sorry, I'm having as I'm talking about this, am going I'm gonna. I'm gonna um, Men, this is the kind of woman you should look for, right? Um, I know, like in our culture, you know, men are all told this is the, you know, perfect woman. She should look like I don't know, who's a pretty woman right now? I, I don't know or something about my life. They should all look like Renee, and um, I don't know, know annoying models. They, they should look like a supermodel, like Renee. Um. <laughs> uh, that was, yeah. Anyway. Um, they should look like a supermodel. They should look like all these things. This is the perfect wife, right. and you know there's a there's a principle here, right? This is not what you're looking for, man. You're looking for somebody who carries themselves different, um, where their beauty is, is something that begins at the heart and comes out, not the other way around. By the way, this principle that applies in the other direction. And how do you find that guy? Do you find the guy who carries himself in alignment with God's will. You know, there's that, that wedding passage that everybody loves, First Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Go to the Christian bookstores, print on everything if you want to read the line. Um, that's not describing romantic love, it's describing God's love. By extension, it should describe how men behave, right? And you should be able to see it, but it's a product of living a life in alignment with God's will. These things come about. So, like this outward appearance, it's not the fiero that looks good when you're dating it, but the moment you buy it, you realize that it's a GM. <laughs> 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 uh, um, it's the real deal Ferrari, right? Um, and you find it by finding a man whose heart and life is aligned with God's will this way. And it begins with prayer, right? We move on. All right, here's the, the next part of what's going to get me in trouble. I'm just going to. A woman must uh, quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but do not allow women woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but it was a woman who was deceived and fell into transgression. We talked about this in the last sermon. If you, if you really want to dig into it, like, and hear. It explained, you can go back and listen to that one. I'm going to offer a little explanation here. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Pause here a second. Um, Paul says, listen, they should receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Um, in the First Corinthians passage we looked at last week, which I'm, I'm putting these right next to each other, because First Corinthians is also about worship. He talks about women leading prayer... And doing prophecy in church, right? He doesn't say they shouldn't do that. He says they should do it in a way that's respectful to their husbands still. Like because women were standing up like without the stuff that makes it clear that they're married. So they're standing up in public places like without like if I ever leave my wedding ring behind and go out to public places and hang out and be like, hey, can we talk to you for a little while. <laughs> it's not that cool, I know. Um, <laughs> um but women were doing this thing, like, like that, that put themselves in a different position. It was kind of humiliating to their husbands, Says, don't do that. Um, I don't believe this passage is arguing that women should never, ever talk in church. Um, it's a little more complicated than that, and that'll be next week. So, Ross, you got that? You're protecting me on the way to the car next week. Um, <laughs> um, through the side door, apparently. Um, but does this mean that women should, you know, never talk and never know? Because we see in the other passages that that's not the case. Part of this involves uh, men should be in a position of leadership, right? Men should step up and take charge. This is how men are made. And men, if you're not doing it, you're falling short. And so if women have to stand up and lead. Guess what? The men ain't doing it. Men should be leading in prayer. Men should be doing these things. Doesn't mean women can't. It means men should be. Um, Next week for the rest of it. I'm not going to spend all day doing this. Um, okay. Now here we come to the chunk of this. If it is a trustworthy statement, if any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Okay. So if a man wants to be a leader, like an official leader in a church, that's good, right? Now in the previous passage, we had this: women should learn in submissiveness. The Corinthians passage has this interesting. Um, Parallel to that, where women should learn submissiveness, in Corinthians it says if women have a lot of questions, they should ask their husbands. Right? Well, that's sexist. No, it's not. What it is, is men should be prepared to answer questions. Right? Men should be the kind of men that when you go home at the end of the day, um, your wife can look at you and she doesn't see the idiot on the couch with the remote. She sees a man who can be a pastor to his family. Um, she sees a man who can lead in alignment with God's will. And so you can ask that guy questions because he knows what he's talking about. Right? If, if the spiritual leader in your home is me, you're in trouble. <laughs> it should be you. man, specifically. Everybody got that? And it's not an easy thing. But you know what being, I mean? like, leadership is hard. It takes, like, work. It takes requirement. It takes, like, investment. It takes alignment with God's will. Um, and it begins with, like, putting that effort forward. And so, like, like, Paul is saying here before, he's saying, look, women should not be, should be, like, in this submissive spot in church because their men should be learning and preparing. And when they come home, they should be leading the way. How do I know that's the case? Well, let's keep going. An overseer that must be beyond reproach. Um, The husband of one wife, meaning you don't have multiple wives. Got that, guys? Unless you're crazy, you don't want one. More than one. Um, Because one is perfect as it is. Um, (laughs) Temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious. But gentle, peaceable, and free from the love of money. So first off, if you're going to be a leader in the church, it begins in your home. You should be beyond reproach, meaning people look at you and they say, no, thank you. (laughs) They look at you and they say, you're the same guy at home as you are in public. Right? Early in our marriage, my wife once said to me, you can't be one person at church and another person at home. And I think about that every day. Every day, because I can't be one person in one place. If, if that's not the case, like if I'm two people, I'm not above reproach. So I've got to walk the walk if I expect to do something better. And being a pastor and a spiritual leader in your home means living it out, which by the way starts with prayer. Because that aligns your heart with God. Um, we keep going. He must be one who manages his own household well. Meaning, if you want to be a leader and you can't pastor your own home, don't think you're going to pastor anybody else. Right? This probably means I should resign, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how then will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert so that um, he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. So he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Let me hit pause. This is actually our last um, passage here. And and we're going to kind of apply this and and, and finish up here. Um, Leadership begins with the smallest things, right? It begins with your children, the smallest things. It begins with your neighbors, it begins with the people who work with you. I know this is, I'm pounding on this one. It begins with the people around you. If you can't manage those things, you have no right to be a leader anywhere else, right? And it begins with being in alignment. If your kids see you with a remote more than they see you with a Bible, there might be a problem. If your kids see you at work or don't see you because you're at work more than they see you leading your family, there might be a problem. This is outside of God's call for men. This is hard, right? I'm not dishing out easy stuff this morning, but this is the truth. This is what the pastor is saying. Tell me if I'm missing it, right? Right? If your kids see you with a beer in the hand more than you pray with them, if they see mom praying with them at the end of the day, if they see you not showing up for the spiritual responsibilities, you're not leading. The place God calls men to be is not the idiot on the couch with the remote like we see on TV, right? It's a nice place to be. I'm not saying TV is bad. I watch plenty of it, right? But if you get more excited about your football team, about Jesus there might be a problem now there's a part of this like like I remember when I was young I would always think well if you want to attract a woman you don't do that because oftentimes women chase after the wrong man right anybody who's been married somebody many years are married raise your hand if you're a woman and you were married for more than five years is having a husband who is loving gentle kind caring more important than having a husband who's handsome and a bad boy woo yes that's the truth <laughs> 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 so does my wife. Don't <laughs> um, the reality is, the reality is that these are the things worth having. The world tells you this is what you should want. And I'm telling you, the thing worth having is the thing that most folks ain't even looking for. It's a man whose heart and soul are in alignment with God's will. My challenge for you today, man, is to be people who are worthy of following to be people who follow God, pray, read, study, and bring your heart into alignment with Jesus, right? Is this easy? No. It was easy everybody to do it. But it's the only life we're called to live as men. Um, it's the only life worth living ultimately, because it's a life that sees a yield in the long run. So are you a Fiero or are you a Ferrari? In prayer. We may have one last song. It takes a last song for pushing. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today. Help us, as men in this church, um, to live lives that are in alignment with your will, to live lives that, that um, make the other people around us richer and better rather than dragging folks down or having to be carried by the other people. Lord God, I pray that you bless the men in this community to stand up and be shining beacons of what manhood is supposed to be. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.